starting in verse 11. We do have notes for you. Those are being passed around even as we speak. Luke 19, reading from the New King James. Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. Everybody say that. Do business till I come. If you have the King James, it says, Occupy. Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him, verse 14, and sent a delegation after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that they might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to them, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in the little have authority over ten cities. And the second came and saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came saying, Master, here's your mina, which I have kept and put in a handkerchief. For I feared you because you're an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit. You reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that my coming might that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? In verse 24, And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him. Give it to one who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Bring, But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Wow. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for what you've done already in the service. We sense your joy, the healing that's taken place in physical, physical bodies, the, the touching of people's hearts, the, the release of encouragement, your anointing. We sense here today. Move in power. If you have the freedom to pray with your spirit, just lift your voice and pray right now. Hallelujah. We'll be sure to give you all the praise for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This word here, as I said in the King James, do business in the New King James. In the King James, it's occupy. It's found only once in all of Scripture. It's found one time right here. The word occupy. It means... What I want you to do is take what I've given you and put it to work. Take what I've given you and, and, and put it to work. It's, 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 it's a word for trade, but it's, it's more than that. It's, it's release the full effect of what I've given you. Release it. Now, if you know in history, how many of you are World War II buffs? World War II. 
we occupied with the Allied forces the shores of Normandy. It was bloody and thousands lost their lives. Why would we have to do that? Because to occupy that part of Europe was really the, what some believe to be the last resort to overcome the Nazis and the Third Reich. And we had to get some territory and dig in and fight. And many people say that was called, that was called D-Day. Many people say that on D-Day, we won the war. There's actually more lives that were lost between D-Day and V-Day. That's most of the war, but we actually won it on D-Day, taking Normandy. We occupied Normandy. This parable is a powerful parable, and we're going to take a look at it. It's the same with the kingdom of God. We need to occupy the God of this age, according to 1 Corinthians 4. The God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers. But God has set us free. And this parable is, is powerful. And the parable begins, a noble man is going on a journey to become king. And when you look at this to understand the context of it, you'll understand why the people could really identify with what was taking place. First of all, it had, where they were located is, is right near the palace of Herod the Great's son. Archelaus was his name. Archelaus went to try to become the king of that region, but 50 leading Jews and people went to Rome and said, Don't make Archelaus king. King Herod the Great had a relationship with one of the generals of Rome. He ended up finding favor with the Senate, and King Herod the Great became the king. And this is the context in which, which Jesus shares this. They all knew about the noblemen that they didn't want to be king, and King Herod wasn't very good either. Was an insane man. This nobleman, it went off to on a journey to become king. And Jesus shares, look at verse 11. Now, as he shared these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because he thought the kingdom of God would appear suddenly. You see, in the mind of the people that were listening to Jesus, they thought that. He's just going to go into Jerusalem and wipe out Rome and become the ruling and reigning king. But he wasn't going to do that then, or should I say, yet. He was correcting through this parable the, some misconceptions about his discipleship. Do you remember the disciples? They said, oh, let us, I want to sit on your right and sit on your left. They were, they were arguing about who's going to be where in the kingdom. Because they thought he was just going to set it up. They didn't understand the, the timing of the first advent, the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus in Isaiah 53. So this nobleman, if you look at B, this nobleman gives to ten servants each a mina. That's about three months' wages. Nice. Gives them three months' wages. And... There were those who did not want him to be king. In fact, he's this parable. He's, he's, Jesus shared parables, if you don't understand why he did that, is because he would hide truth from casual observers, but reveal it to those who were hungry. And he would always tell the disciples what he was saying afterwards. So Jesus 
is this nobleman, the father is a nobleman, really sends his son Jesus, who is the king, but they don't recognize it. And there are some that actually want to kill him. And in fact, they did. The religious leaders of the day killed him. They, they crucified him on a, Roman's, on a Roman cross. And he was fulfilling the very scripture in Isaiah. He was pierced for our transgressions, wounded for our iniquity. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. They did. They killed him. And he rose again from the third day. How many of you are thankful for that? We wouldn't even be having any church if there wasn't any resurrection. And there were those that didn't want Jesus to be the king for sure. And they're planning, even as he's sharing the parable, to kill him. And in the parable, when the king returned, there was a time of judgment. The servants and those who did not want him to be king were judged. Now let's look a little closer. This parable gives us insight into the days that are yet ahead. This parable gives us insight into the future. Some people dial 1-800-IDIOT to find out about the future. Can I tell you something? Don't dial 1-800-MORON. Don't do it. The future is clear in Scripture. And if you need a word of the Lord, then God will give you one Himself. Or we have people that can prophesy over you and, and share insights and, and, and foreknowledge of things that are taking place in your life. Don't, don't get involved in some tarot card reading and end up cursed and messed up. Don't get involved in some palm reading. By the way, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Spirit of God, loving the Lord, and the palm reader's real, she will jerk her hand, they will jerk their hand back the second they touch yours. What I mean by real, if they're really demonized and they can really tell your future and things like that, they, oftentimes they freak out when a spirit-filled believer comes. We, we, we've messed around with that. That's another message. You know, because either, either, either he is the king and he's living on the inside of us, or uh, he's not. So this parable gives us insight into the future. Jesus will return as king. Everybody say that. Jesus will return as king. You say, well, I thought he was king now. Well, he's king now, but his kingdom's invisible, really. It's, it's within us. And his kingdom works from within us, working out. But there will come a day when he will part the eastern sky. You say, can we have world peace, Pastor? I'm praying for world peace. I'll tell you when we'll have world peace. Jesus will come, squash all his enemies, and we'll have world peace. That's how that's called the millennial reign. The kingdom of God is not a geographical kingdom. However, where the king is, so is his kingdom. So there's this paradox that takes place, and many people get caught up in it. And they, well, I, I can't see him. I can't feel him. His attributes are everywhere through creation. You can't look at the snow coming down the mountains and the beauty of this place and not understand that there's a creator that made it. You can't look at your own fingerprints without having more faith to believe that there's not a God then there is one. When your fingerprints, everybody's fingerprints are different here. There's not one person that's, that's identical. Even identical twins aren't identical. He made you. He made me. He's God. And there is no other. A dog can't, a dog can't make moral choices and decisions about what is right or wrong. You do. You're the only thing in all of creation they can think in terms of right and wrong. Think in terms of beauty. You ever wonder why that is? You're made in His image. 
And the thing that's tragic is that even though he's the king and he's going to return, look, the king is the king whether you think he's the king or not. You can say, I don't believe in gravity all you want. It still exists. So he is the king. And the moment that he does break through the eastern sky, as the Bible declares, you literally come and rule for a thousand years, rule and reign. And there is, there is a day of there's a day of judgment, and this parable gives us a glimpse into judgment in the future. There will be judgment. Everybody say it. There will be judgment. Those who rejected Jesus as the king will experience death. Death. Those who never received him as king will experience death. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 20. There are people that don't want Jesus to rule. There's people back in when he walked the earth, they didn't want him to rule. And there's certainly people, perhaps even here today, that don't want him to rule your life. Whether you recognize him as king or not, he is the king. A horrific tragedy is that you wouldn't receive him. Because you will stand before him and give an account. Every one of us will stand before him and give an account. Revelation chapter 20, find verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, and by these things which were written in the books. The word there for dead is thanatos. It's separation from God. The New Testament is written in Greek. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew in a section in Aramaic. That word there, New Testament, book of Revelation, for dead, thanatos. It means separation from God forever. Wow. If we don't accept Jesus as king, it'll be bad and tragic. You know what's amazing? It'll be bad and tragic then. It's bad and tragic now. Come on, he came to give you life and life to the full life abundantly. Look at number two. We see his servants will give an account for their service. Now this is interesting because they're, they're all given. We're, they were all given the same. They're all given minas. They're all given the same amount. It's different from Matthew 25. How many of you know the the text about the the talents? This is not like the talent. Very very similar, but different. They were all given a mina. They were all given the same thing. It's the blank same. Matthew 25, they're different, given different talents. And, and, and we all have different talents. Some have, some have the ability to, to really evangelize and win souls. Some have the gift of hospitality. Some have the, have the, the gift of mercy. Some have, we all have gifts. Come on, everybody's got a gift, right? Everybody. Everybody has a gift. Everyone. This is not talking about that. We all have different gifts. This is talking about that something that is the same for all. For all of us. They're all given the same. It's the mina that produces. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, Then came the first and said, Master, your mina has earned ten mina. Your mina. This mina represents something. Does it represent money? Well, it it could represent money, but but it's way more than just money. Mina produced. It had power to produce. 
and he earned ten more. And Jesus rewards his servants for putting for their putting what he had given them to work. And he, he rewards them not so much of what they had because he gave it to them. He rewards them really because of their diligence. Everybody say diligence. Diligence. Their reward. Well, the first guy gets to rule over ten cities. I mean, that's amazing. And it's really talking about the age to come. Did you know a thousand years from now you're going to be alive? Did you know that? Yeah. Where you will be is based upon your decisions and choices you make right now. And whether you rule ten cities or five is up to you and whether you're faithful with what God's given you. And I'm not even talking so much about the gifts. You're not? No. We're going to talk about what a mine is. I I think God's talking to us. Their, Their reward is... Is ruling with Christ. It gives rulership. God's speaking to us. What, what, what do we all have? The first thing. What do, we, what do we all have? Everybody has it. The Holy Spirit is one, of the, it was one of the answers. But the first thing in the list that I made is the gospel, the good news. Every single person here has it. If you don't, I will give it to you really clearly at the end of the service. And if you've not received the Lord, then you can receive Him today. But every one of us has the good news. It's, it's a picture of the mina. The Holy Spirit is another. We'll get to that. The Word of God's another. Faith is another. But let's talk about the good news. Have you taken the mina of the good news? And have you put it to work? See, he's not talking about your gifts. He's talking about something that we all have. I mean, you could put things like time in there. But specifically for those who've been given the mind of those who have received the Lord as King, He gives you some very clear things. One of them is the gospel, the good news. How are you, what are you doing with it? When is the last time you shared your faith? All right, I'm going to encourage myself. I'll be right back. Praise the Lord, Pastor. I, I you know, I pray you're encouraging me. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to share my faith. When's the last time you shared your faith? Are you using your mina? Sharing what God is doing. You say, well, I'm not really an evangelist, and I don't know how to do the four spiritual laws. You know what is the most powerful way of sharing your faith? Just to tell somebody what Jesus did for you. Just say, man, I was here. I don't know. I don't understand all the theology. I was at this place. I asked Jesus to come in. I repented of my sin, and he did this. That, your testimony, is one of the most powerful weapons ever. The second thing is faith. Now, the book of Romans says we all, we all have faith. A measure of faith. And God can release to us the gift of faith, Mark eleven twenty two. He can release the gift of faith. In fact, faith is one of the gifts of the Spirit. The gift of faith is when, did you, ever, did you ever want to believe for something and all of a sudden you prayed it and you knew it just happened, that was it. And then a few days later you saw it come to pass. The gift of faith was operating. You didn't have to, you didn't have to, you know, barrage heaven, bombard your prayers and break through, you know, and just continue to fast and pray and believe. Some things are like that. Other times it's just a gift of faith, bam, happens and it opens. All of us have been given a measure of faith. Are you using it? Are you using your faith? You know, if you don't use it, I find you, you, you lose it. 
What I love about being a part of Casey, one of the many things, is I'm, we're always challenged, man, always pushed. It's just part of our DNA. Come on. Let's take another city for Christ. Let's open another life group. Let's, let's start another church. It's easy to get lackadaisical. It's easy to get apathetic. It's easy just to rest on your laurels. You know one of the death of megachurches across America is? They're, they're resting. Some of the megachurches are going backwards because they stopped taking Charles Schuler. I think that's his name. You ever heard of Charles Schuler? The Crystal Cathedral. It's an amazing building that he built. He shared at a conference years ago and said one of the, one of the great tragedies or one of the pitfalls for megachurches is that the pastors stop taking steps of faith. They stop taking. Faith is spelled risk. R-I-S-K. Faith, confident assurance of what you cannot see. You have to continue to take steps of faith. I, I promise you, it's just the way that we are. I will always push you. We will always believe. We will always press. We will always push, stretch, to reach, expanding your faith. Why? Because there will come a day when you and I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And how we've done, how we've treated the minus, that which He's given us, we'll be judged for that. Furthermore, you won't be happy unless you stretch. I know it's uncomfortable at times, but when God comes through. I've been watching the, the, the Betzels. They just moved up here, as I told you, shared the testimony. I watched them come up here, and that miracle for their house, the joy that they had in their faith. They're like, yeah, man, we were hearing God. God came through. I got a word on the toilet, and I prophesied. Amen. <laughs> But he, you know, he's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to sit there and go, I've made my budget. I'm 300 over. I don't know where that's going to come from. And the Lord says, do it. And you're like, uh, I bind you, Satan. But he would not be living in the dream house today for far less than you could even pay anywhere if you didn't do it. God comes through for you. But if you don't use your faith, And to see the joy on this young couple's face makes me just so happy. Because he's been walking by faith for years. But, you know, the Goliath of your yesterday is an ant today. And you see Goliath now. Your mountain now will be a molehill later if you just move in faith. The things that I used to have to believe for are just like... Come on, somebody go like that. Uh. Why? Because my faith has grown. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How did it grow? By taking, by hearing the Word of the Lord and obeying, even though it was scary and terrifying. The Lord has given every believer the power of the gospel, faith, His Word. Everybody say His Word. What have you done with the Word? How you doing? God longs to speak to you in your quiet time that you're not having. How are, are you reading the Word? Are you in the Word? You know, I, 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 I've forgotten. Oh, I, oh, I just remembered. So, actually, let me just say this. <laughs> I was going to say I forgot who I told this to, but then I remembered. It's none of your business. Anyway. I told them, look, if you, if you get in the Word, it is sharper than two, any two-edged sword. 
And no matter what you are struggling with, if you get in the Word and you read it, and you, and you get that deep down into the city of your soul, you will pull out a sword in the Spirit and that thing will be cut off of you. Addiction, depression, get the Word of the Lord. Memorize the Word. Pound it into your heart. If you struggle with insecurity, pound, into the, pound the Word into your heart. Who you are in God. Most people don't know who they are. What are you doing with the Word? God has given us all of these things. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in His sight. Every one of us who are believers have the power of the gospel. You know, when you preach Christ crucified, when I say preach, I mean when you just declare Jesus Christ died on a cross, rose again from the grave. That has power. Oh, somebody needs to hear this for a second. I'm going to go back to my first point. Whenever I walk into a place that's dark and dank and filled with demons, I will tell you one of the very first things I do to take all their little heads off is I just, I mean, if it's really dark, I don't know how I got a hold of this. It wasn't even, it was just a thing that happened for me in the spirit. If it's really heavy and demonic, the first thing I do is say, Father, I thank you that you're sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sin and for the sins of the world. I thank you that he died and he was three days in, in, the, in the belly of the earth. He took the keys of hell and death and he rose again from the grave. I thank you that you have authority in this place in Jesus' name. And the moment I do it, it's almost like what just happened now. It's like somebody drops a bomb and the ripples just go out. The gospel, that is the gospel. I just preach it to you. You don't have to learn a whole bunch of theology and memorize the whole thing. Get that down. Get that down. It will change your destiny, change your life, set you on fire, change the course of history, and release the power of the God. The power of the God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. I can tell you testimony after testimony of people who were sick when they heard the word that Jesus died rose again and they just needed to believe and repent or repent and believe they got healed over and over and over some of you need to go into your house and say thank you God that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross and take dominion over that place got heaviness in your house quit watching rated R movies rated X movies and doing perverted stuff maybe it'll break alright let's move on to the second point Third point, His Word, right? We talked about that. Look at four. Prayer. Okay, we've all been given these things. These, these servants of the king were all given a mina, and it was the mina that did the work. Then they got rewarded for their diligence. A mina for us. What do we all have as believers? We all have the power of the gospel, the good news. We all have faith at some measure. Thirdly, we all have His Word. What are you doing with it? Are you using it? Are you memorizing it? Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. But it's very hard to overcome if you haven't memorized the word. You know, I've got my Bible right here electronically on my, uh, whatever this thing is, my iPad. But when the enemy comes in the middle of the night, I mean, you can scramble for your iPad, but the truth is, if you've memorized the Word, the Spirit of God will quicken you, and you can begin to pray forth the Word of God. He stands over His Word to see it performed. He does not stand over your opinion. He doesn't stand over your feelings. He stands over His Word. It goes forth, it doesn't return void. Prayer. We all have the power to seek, to knock, to ask, every one of us. Every one of us can pray. We're in a time of fasting and prayer now. 
I don't know how many days in we are, but we're believing God for an outpouring of the Spirit. We're believing for, for our loved ones to be delivered. We're believing for increase of every kind, for marriages to be healed. We're believing for the church to grow, for people to be discipled. We're believing for God to pour out His Spirit like He said that He would. And He is doing that, but there's more. Fasting and prayer is key to your walk with Jesus. Some of you never fasted. Do it. Turn off TV. That's a good fast. Fast being negative. Some of you, that'd be really hard. Quit bellyaching, complaining. Try it. The fifth thing our sister said at the power of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us have the you, you have the Holy Spirit. That's the baptism of the Spirit, infilling of the Spirit. But the power of the Spirit, I mean, it will transform you. He will transform you, I should say. He's not an it, he's not a dove. The Holy Spirit is not some force that's out there. He is the the the, the Godhead, third part of the Godhead. He's alive. He's living. You can lie to the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can't do that to a box. Go ahead and lie to the speaker over here. You're not black. You're really white. Well, that doesn't even make any sense because it's an inanimate object. You can't... You, you can, you get the, the, the Holy Spirit is not an inanimate object. The Holy Spirit is a person. So you can lie to the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You okay? Micah, would you help her, please? But she's trying to escape. I must be preaching really bad. Jesus, help me. My own wife's trying to run out the front of the church. That was awesome. Well, hallelujah. Maybe it's a hot flash. No. Was that bad? I repent. I'm so sorry. It is hot in here, isn't it? All right. I'm going to hurry up. I'll hurry up. I'm going to hurry up. I'm hurrying up. Here we go. Here we go. Everybody say, here we go. All right. So prayer. The fifth thing is the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. Good. The rest of them are increase, perspective, reward, matter. No, I'm just teasing. Is the dynamic of increase at work in you? We go on to talk about all of these things, but all of them are common to us. Everybody has them. How are you using them? Are you being faithful? Are you being faithful with the Holy Spirit? Faithful with the Word? Faithful in prayer? Diligent? Is the dynamic of increase at work in you? What do you mean? Are you growing in the knowledge of the Lord? You know, one of the things I'm excited about, it is hot in here. You know, one of the things I'm excited about is the fact that you're here. You're here. It might be hot, but you're here. You're here. You're in church. You're learning. You're growing. You're seeking the things of God. You're hearing the word of the Lord. Come on, give yourselves a hand clap. Praise the Lord. There's people not here that should have been, that wanted to be, but they couldn't make it. You're here. That's awesome. It's encouraging. You're hearing the Word, and the Word is causing you to respond, hopefully, towards the Lord. Look at C. Keep your perspective of God correct, for it keeps us from sin. This one servant had a distorted picture of the Master, saying, You're a hard Master. 
Listen, if you think God is hard, you're serving a different God than the one I know. You say, it's hard to serve the Lord. No. The Bible says hard is the way of the transgressor. God's not hard. He's kind. He's gentle. He's loving. He's compassionate. He's long-suffering. It's His kindness that leads us to repentance. And when you have a distortion, I've, I've ministered in mental hospitals before. And during those times, I noticed that just about... Now, I can say blanket. Across, across the board, every single person that I came in contact with there had a distortion about the Lord, about God. They had this view of who He was or this, you know, that He was a hard taskmaster or He's mean or He didn't exist. There's some distortion in their view of who God is. You want to know how you know who God is? Read the Word. And your perspective of God, you've got to keep it correct because it will keep you from sin. There's people that blame all their problems on God. There are people that blame all their problems on God. God did this to me. Lord, why did you do this to me? No, no, no. No, it was your foolish decision. Or your parents' foolish decision. There is the destruction of the innocent. People choose. You have to choose. And many times the difficulties that we go through are because of our own foolishness. All right, look at, look at the next point. I need to say this. In, the, in, that, in the parable, how many of you know what the sin of omission is? There's the sin of omission and the sin of commission. The sin of commission is you know you're sinning and you're going to do it. That's it. That's the sin of commission. You're sinning. The sin of omission is that you know what God wants you to do, but you don't do it. Ooh. And all you get judged for both. Both are sin. Omission and commission. You know what God has told you to do, but you don't you refuse to do it. You don't maybe take that step of faith. Wow. Look at D. God rewards us for our labor and what we do matters. That is so encouraging to me. Turn to First Corinthians three, if you would. And we'll close this message because it's hot. God will reward you. What you do, listen, the way you live now matters. You might not think that it matters, but according to the Word of God, it does matter. It matters before God, and all of us will be judged. We're, we're like the servants that have been given a mina. How are you doing? Can you ask yourself that question. What we do matters. Whether we tithe matters. Whether we pray matters. If you're not praying, you cripple heaven. Some of you don't have the release of God's fire and power and blessing and your whole family's not saved because you haven't prayed. Are you trying to bring me into condemnation? I'm not. But I'm trying to bring you to an awareness that you matter. Look, Moses, when he lifted up his hands, Aaron and Hur on either side, and then the battle would be won. But when his hands went down, the battle would lose. It's unusual. It's unusual because it's the first time that the rod of God in the Old Testament stretched out over something didn't do an instantaneous miracle. It's a picture that, that we all have a choice. Those who were fighting on the field had a choice. Moses' life was important to lift up his hand. It's a picture of intercession. Some of you, you need to intercede and pray for your family, for your loved ones. And if you don't, it just might be that their hearts don't turn to God. He said, well, God's sovereign. He, 
He does what he wants to, to whoever he wants to, whenever he wants. The whole thing of the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. Do you have it figured out, Pastor? Absolutely not. I know this. God's good. I'm going to do everything I can. That's it. And then I'm just going to let him sort it out. We'll figure it out later. I don't know. Don't know. God's in control. And some are the sons of Cain. So how do you know which one? Oh, shut up. Pray for them and share the gospel with them. Lay hands on them. Let them get healed. Invite them to church. Leave it with the Lord. Amen. And it, what you do matters. It matters. Some people will be saved because you invite them to church. Some people will be saved because you pray. Other people might head off to a devil's hell if we don't. I don't like that. I don't really like it either because it makes me responsible. First Corinthians 3, verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day. Now, the day, day should be capitalized. The day is the day. The day of judgment is what it's talking about. The great and dreadful day. The day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work. I hate this scripture. Don't you hate this scripture right here? Some of you just want to rip that out. Can't I just whistle Dixie while going over the, 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 the falls? Well, you can, but you're still going to crash at the bottom of the falls. Look at verse 14. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. What is that talking about? It's talking about the fact that you and I will stand before God on the day of judgment to give an account with what you did with your mina and with your talents, what you did with your life. Did you use your life? Did you use the gifts? Did you use the talents or did you squander them? I want to use mine. Don't you? Don't you want to, don't you want to be used by God? We talked about this yesterday and I, I need to close, but... What you, are, what you are longing for, everybody in this room, those online, those that will listen later, every one of us wants these three things. Acceptance, security, and significance. Every single person is longing for that. The very three things that were lost in the Garden of Eden are the very three things that, that Jesus purchased back for us on the cross. Acceptance, security, significance. All sin is is a wrong attempt at getting those needs met. You find them in God, He will meet them. You'll, you, you'll become accepted. He'll graft you in. He'll write you in the palm of His hand. Secure. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Significant. We're looking at it. The way that we live, it affects somebody's life. We're significant. You make an eternal difference. All right, look at the last point. The kingdom principle revealed is, the principle, is, a, is in this parable motivates us. Him who has more will be given. Take from the rich and give to the poor is a communist statement. I know Robin Hood's cute, run around in his green little tights and all that. But the truth is, is that stealing from the rich to give to the poor is 
communism is are you getting political a little bit communism is is literally governmental theft taking from people who are diligent and work hard to give it to people who don't have and it's not right it needs to be corrected And what you have, if you're faithful, increase. If you don't, you lose it all. I took French when I was in middle school. And I honestly, I, I think I, I mean, all the, my content, all of the French that I know is like we. And, and, and uh, I think from Steve Martin, a movie, I learned Omelette du Fromage. And I think that's all I can remember from, from French class. How many of you took Spanish or French four years school? You took it for four years or three years? Okay. If you didn't... Or another language. Cantonese? Japanese? Russian? Okay. The point is, if you're getting about my age and you took four years of Spanish but you never used it, you probably don't know one thing. Or maybe a couple things, maybe. When after four years you were nearly fluent or getting to be able to write and everything... But because you didn't use it, you lost it. That's what happens. When you're faithful in the little things, God will make you ruler over much. God will elevate you. Be faithful with what God's given you. Amen? Be faithful. Occupy. Occupy. We're supposed to take over. Now let me run that through one more time. We're supposed to take over. We're supposed to take over. Okay, we've got a few more people engaged. We're supposed to take over. We are. We're supposed to live in such a way that it transforms society. The mina. Let's do it. Let's change Wasilla. Let's change the state. Let's change our nation. Amen? Occupy. Occupy until he comes. Do business. What business? The business of the kingdom. Preach the gospel. go back to my points. Come on, look at your notes with me. We're closing. The power of the gospel. Everybody has been given that. Faith. You have a measure of it. Use it. It'll grow. Pray for the gift of faith. His word. How are you doing? You in it? If you're not, get in it and watch what happens. Your life will transform. Some of you have been struggling with the same thing for years because you refuse to get in the word and refuse to yield. Yield already. You've crashed the bus thousands of times. Quit driving. Let him drive. Submit. Know the word. Learn the word. Get in church. Prayer. How's your prayer life? We've got prayer times here. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. right here. It's worship-led prayer. It's like a two-hour off-the-hook power of God worship and prayer session. I'm going to tell you it's awesome. We're here. I'd invite you to come. Come and be a part of it. We're pushing to build a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week prayer center. Come on, everybody, say pray. The power of the Holy Spirit, right? Are you flowing in the power of the Spirit of God? So, well, no, I don't know how. We'll keep coming. We'll teach you. Get involved. Get in a life group. Amen. Amen. Get in a life group. Get in, get in some of the classes, the reality classes. Plug in. Go to the iDesk. Put your name down. Be a part of a ministry. Get involved. Occupy. Everybody say occupy. Come on, say it again. Occupy. Stand up on your feet. Put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you.
tonight. I have a powerful message on the life of David in Psalm 23 and a powerful word that I really wanted to preach this morning, but I felt like I said, no, leave it for tonight. So I'm going to leave it for tonight. I'll continue in our series under pressure tonight. You don't want to miss that. It starts at 6 o'clock. But for the application of the message this morning, just let the Lord speak to you. How are you doing with what He's given you? Are you being faithful? Are you being faithful? Faithful to share the power of the, of the gospel, the good news with people. You shared your testimony lately. You invited people to church. I know many of you are. It's awesome. Praise God. Maybe most of you are. Praise the Lord. But if you're not, just take a look and see if you can be more faithful to share the word. Share your testimony. Jesus did this for me. Be faithful. Your faith. Are you taking steps of faith? Are you taking steps of faith? What has God spoken to you to do? To him who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. The book of James says that. I don't like that one either. I mean, that one works on me when I walk past a piece of trash. I walk past trash and I'm like, oh, you're going to go back and pick it up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It doesn't work with dishes too often, but it works with trash. His word, how are you doing with his word? Prayer, how are you doing in prayer? How are you doing with the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you pressing in? Are you believe in God for his power to be manifested in your life? Let's be faithful. And God will reward us. That's the good news. God will reward you not only here, but in the age to come. And it's coming. He is returning. Hallelujah. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word, a lamp into a feet, a light upon our path. I thank you for those that you brought here today to hear this message, as simple as it is. That we would be faithful with the mina, we would be faithful with what you've given us, and our talents as well. We would see the increase of your kingdom come as never before. Break out to the left and to the right in our lives. Break in with light. Help us to do our part to pray, to fast. Release grace. Release your power upon us. Give us a hunger for the word, a hunger for prayer, a hunger for the things of God. Increase our faith. Fill us full of your spirit, even now. Fill us full of your spirit, even now, Jesus. Hallelujah. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're not right with God and you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or you want to make a recommitment to Him, just slip your hand up now if that's you. You want to give your heart to the Lord. You're not right with God and you know it. All right, God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Perhaps online. You're not as close to the Lord as you used to be. You're not as close to God as you used to be. You used to be more on fire than you are now. If that's you, say, that's me, Pastor. Slip your hand up. I want to be included in this prayer. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Some people not being honest. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Be honest. God bless you. God bless you. You used to be more on fire. You want 
Go closer to God. God bless you. Hands going up. Amen. Let's all pray right out loud. Just pray this right out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave. Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Set me on fire. Fill me full of your spirit. Give me wisdom of what I should cut off and what I should press into. Give me a passion and anointing to pray. Open my eyes. Give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you to know the hope of my calling. Thank you for hearing my prayer.
He loves you for you. There are some here that have struggled with distortions about who God is. The Lord's correcting that even now. He's a good, loving, kind, compassionate God. He didn't do that thing to you. The enemy is a liar. He's the father of lies. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God sent his only son that you might have life. He was manifested that you might that he might destroy the works of the devil. He is doing that very thing in your life today. Be encouraged and be strengthened. And know that your God is a strong, mighty, good God. And he stands over you, performing and perfecting everything concerning you. Stand and decree the glory of the Lord in your life. Get into his word and pray. Fast and seek him. And see that thing change. For what you struggle with, this is the word for you, what you struggle with is a spiritual struggle. It's a spiritual struggle. You war not against flesh and blood, but against powers and rulers in dark places. And there has been even an assignment of witchcraft over some. And there's been a mingling of, of, of holy and unholy that's brought confusion in the homes of some that are here. And the Lord is going to lead you even on a supernatural divine treasure hunt to expose things of darkness to tear them down in prayer. And when you do that, the light of the glory of God will shine upon your home, upon your bedroom, upon your life, upon your business, even as never before. Don't shrink back, but be encouraged this day, knowing that if God before you, who can be against you? You are more than a conqueror in Christ. Rise up, O woman of God. Rise up, O man of God, and take hold of that which is taken hold of you. Take hold of the mantle and strike the water and see it go hither and thither. Rise up. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He's here. He's here. He lives on the inside of you. So move forward in courage and strength and watch and see. Be faithful and diligent. Occupy, says God. Occupy, says the Lord. Come on, somebody say amen. Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance towards you. Be gracious to you and give you peace. God bless you. I hope to see you tonight.